Hi, welcome to Dotting Realities, where we try and unpack everyday realities intersectionally. The theme for our first series is centered around internet freedom and digital inclusion. In our first episode, we had understood what internet freedom meant and how it was related to digital accessibility. In our second episode, we will be chatting with a young development professional from Sikkim about her experiences with the digital world, educational institutions, social media and everything in between and how it actually inspired her to initiate her own project around mental health. Hi, um, my name is Sanjana and um, I come from Sikkim. So I think I'll just explain a little bit of context of how it is around where I live to um, answer that question. I'm working with a Delhi-based organization. So once they announced that there's a flexibility for employees to work from any part of the country, I was really hesitant to move back to Sikkim for the same fear that internet might not be really great and, you know, the network, the connection might not be really great. And for somebody who was just, I mean, very new to the organization, I really, really didn't want a bad internet connection to factor into me not being able to work, right? So because of that fear, I had to, I lived alone uh, through the lockdown in Delhi and I would constantly hear updates from my family that, oh, the internet connection is not really bad and you know they're not able to access and sometimes it would get so bad that people would not be able to call or like would have no reception to call as well so uh finally when things started looking a little better i did move back but again there were a lot of challenges that i faced firstly the residential location that i'm currently in it falls under the rural um category of um of place and then I decided to um, get a Wi-Fi connection but then of course because being out the context uh, most of the families here um, work as either drivers or uh, or in the query or mostly in uh, in the informal sector so for them uh, internet connection would not mean so much uh, into you know it doesn't fit so much into the daily life so because of that, because of not a lot of households trying to have a Wi-Fi connection or needing Wi-Fi connection, I wasn't able to get one. So as a result, I kind of, you know, did suffer a little bit and I had to kind of change into a very expensive plan to um, kind of uh, arrange the whole work from home situation. So that's one anecdote I can share. Uh, the other thing that happened when I was in hostel was, so um, I was in Lady Shiram College um, and I was in the hostel and uh, uh, we had a Wi-Fi connection. We had to pay for the uh, uh, charge in college hostel as well. But in, you know, it, the, the Wi-Fi was so, I mean, the connection wasn't really great. And after, I think, uh, my first year, the Wi-Fi stopped working at all. Understanding that the hostel space would mean more diversity of students. Like, you know, LSR is a very elite institution, but in hostel, what happens is because of, you know, because of a comparatively affordable rate, you could find diverse group of people, people from different backgrounds, uh, economic, identity locations, etc. Right. So, uh, and it would, of course, um, mean a lot for some of us to pay 500 rupee um, for uh, internet connection, to pay for a monthly internet connection. So we really had to have the Wi-Fi. And then 
we did request the administration um, to sustain the network but of course you know it actually took a whole uh, it, it took us like a whole protest uh, for them to understand the need for us to have accessible internet where we don't have to pay huge amounts of money to get internet connection because then there were so many things right you'd have to write your paper you'd have to research you'd have to meet various academic requirements you know and we and at the same time you were also paying for the wifi so um very little help um, we got from the administration and even after you know the protests lots of things did come into place and they did promise us the wifi but it, it did not really like it didn't really figure out in the situation so the wifi actually start, started working a month before i graduated so yeah it took us about 2 years to protest 2 years to really request the administration to get it going uh, but it didn't quite work so yeah antonas experiences are echoed by millions of young people but the magic wand of digital inclusion somehow escapes these very real realities before talking about internet its freedoms and more nuanced conversations like how our online consumption patterns are deeply varied we need to first understand how our different lived realities deeply affect our experience with the online world and what we hope to achieve out of it in our last episode rohin had rightly pointed out the deep inequity that exists even in our access to the digital world which was exposed especially during this covid-19 pandemic when we talk about the education sector we see that some students had easy access to the internet had a smooth transition period while others did not and had to bring their education to a screeching halt now many have argued that this is a covid-19 consequence but that's not entirely true where we were brought up what we studied how familiar we are with technology all these factors are extremely crucial when talking about digital inclusion in its truest sense sanjana shared with us her own experiences in this regard and here is what she had to say okay growing up in sikkim was of course uh, honestly i feel like whatever i've learned i've fully learned uh, in the in the three years that i spent in college uh, and nothing before that because i feel internet only got normalized when i was i think in 12th grade you know where the idea of having smartphones with good connectivity and of course when i'm seeing people i'm talking about people who fall in the same strata as me you know lower to upper middle class people so and until then uh, it was such a sad situation because we used to have computer classes in school but no internet so for us it was just bad typing and you know on computer and just learning things so but we would be so excited because you get to be on the internet and you know and also because we all were going to a certain kind of school which meant we, we all came from families with computers or such kind of devices now it's affordable you can buy a smartphone at say 8000 rupees okay when we were first like acclimatizing ourselves to the situation it wasn't so affordable i mean it still isn't affordable but it's still because you know new camp new brands are coming up so it's still i mean fine for people to have smartphones like say my grandfather has a smartphone and i feel like i consider that you know as as something which is be normalized right now so you know we were very excited because internet didn't fit into daily use or whatever of course we were in the start we started using facebook from say 9th grade matlab not matlab cyber cafe mein jaake use karte the phone pe nahi tha but we still used to go 
but we didn't know how to navigate spaces like google yeah so we didn't know how to like we didn't know how to fill in uh, gaps like that for example agar tum mujhe bologe go on facebook and find somebody uh, that you know from school i would be able to do that but if you ask me okay google mein jaake inclusion ke liye presentation banao ya tum iske liye in depth critique karo after reading i wouldn't be able to do because hamara idea of google is just go on wikipedia copy that and like use that okay I feel like that's where we got so wrong because in class 12th when we were going to give our board exams there was a little bit of change in syllabus and we were asked to you know go to a cyber cafe and we was asked to find out the syllabus ki kya change hua hai and none of us could we couldn't do it because we were simply not taught and our, our teacher our class teacher had to you know go through it and have someone of a computer teacher print out the change in syllabus and give it to us so i think it just because we're on the internet does not mean what equal recipe recipients of information being access to somebody who already have a lot of caste class privileges or go to schools where internet is so normalized or consuming that kind of information is so normalized so i feel that was a big part of my childhood and uh, secondly i feel like up so i'll just give my example of my parents my parents started using internet only when i went to work when i went to college because you know we, if we had to communicate and there had to be some ways and the first thing that they started was not to i mean my mom mom still can't she doesn't know how to use a digital payment method to send in money but she might be able to make a tiktok video okay and i think that that's that that's where the that's where the gap lies and really i've just been thinking about it because uh i feel like the government in power they have identified this so well i feel like there is a consumption gap of certain kind of literature for example let's talk about the wire okay so the quote and quote such a progressive organization but its reach is very limited as compared to say the tv right so similarly on tiktok also i you know sometimes i see like my mom's facebook profile or like the tiktok may agar kuch aise kuch videos i see the kind of content she's consuming i'm not trying to shame her i'm just trying to say ki i feel like the government in power is able to identify this so well and to kind of you know push in algorithm ka engine to in a certain way that, and i feel like it's also a very big fault of the quote and quote progressive organizations that the kind of content they're producing is not not easy enough to be consumed or not easy enough or accessible to be consumed by somebody um, who you don't consider to be a target audience for example in sikkim we like i'm telling you the advent of journalism is very new i think it's been 2 years or so okay and we had this very uh, funny uh, <laughs> facebook page called the voice of sikkim okay it's such a problematic page but it was the first page to get started to report you know tiny mishaps yahan pe landslide aa gaya yahan pe gaadi thok gaya so some those kind of things okay because it was like a new initiative and because the content that they were selling was so so accessible and like the kind of following that page has is insane i don't think that kind of impact will happen even if an organization like the wire or like the scroll or any big print media uh, comes to like in in sikkim we don't read newspapers like the hindu or times of indian express hum apna local sikkim express padhte hain so <laughs> being able to identify what works in different context for ideas to you know move around i think that's very 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 important 
Sanjana rightly pointed out that our consumption pattern on the internet are different and that the same one size fits all approach cannot be taken up by journalists social media celebrities or increasingly even social sector organizations Pranati and I have both had long conversations regarding the social media skills that our generation is expected to have when we work with different NGOs especially for our mandated field work the constant dilemma of whether we are bringing them on board a more exploitative system versus the immense need of a social media presence is debate that we have never found an answer to we asked sanjana what she had thought about this and here is what she had to say i i don't think prevent uh, to be very honest and also very realistic i don't think we can avoid the social media by any chance like you see all these organizations doing path breaking work but now they being all pulled into social media because you know so many things depend on it like say your ngo wants to appeal for a grant you know the grant maker will want to look at your website will want to look at the kind of content you've been able to make grant making organizations mein jo log rehte hain who are extremely detached from the lived realities of people who the development sector quote unquote want to serve so you know for them like so the barak i think the parameters are also very brahmical matlab tumhara content aesthetic hona chahiye instagram mein tumhe is tarah ka ka move karna chahiye so i feel like at this stage you know a lot of organizations are especially ngos are actually being slightly i feel also pressurized and also are also losing out because while they may be doing commendable work at the end of the day they can't be self sustaining you know they have to up, up, they have to apply for grants they have to uh, they have to get funding and for that i feel social media has become this vehicle for their work to be you know seen at the same time i feel like i also kind of keep grappling this question ki now there is this whole trend ki tumhe social issue influencer culture ke through tumhe promote karna hai which is it's i don't think that's sustainable and i think that's also very you know if you are commodifying social issues and i feel like because of this because of ngos being pushed and also pressurized uh, to you know be on social media have a so maintain a certain kind of aesthetic I feel like people or even the audience have become so acclimatized and accustomed to learning the language of political correctness but not embodying the politics it's in itself you know so I'm very politically correct cheeze bolti hu but do I question my biases do I where do I view myself in the spectrum of like you know the, the binary of like oppressed versus the oppressor so I feel ये बहुत ही कैरियस सिचुएशन है अभी बट एट द सेम टाइम आई फील वन हैज टू रियली ब्लेम द ब्राह्मिकल ऑर्डर बिकॉज एन जी ओज और इवन लाइक पीपल एट दी अदर साइड आर नॉट मेकिंग दिज रूल हु आर मेकिंग दिज रूल्स पीपल विद पावर पीपल विद अबिलिटीज पीपल विद प्रिवलेजेस बिकॉज दे हैव सेट द कॉन्डक्ट की तुम्हें सोशल मीडिया में होना चाहिए तुम्हें इस तरह का कॉन्टेंट बनाना चाहिए फॉर यू टू बी एलिजिबल दैट यू नो यू आर डूइंग गुड वर्क I think one we really has to like you know unlearn our gaze and unlearn our biases. मतलब कुछ aesthetic नहीं है तो अच्छा इनका काम बढ़िया नहीं होगा. ये यहाँ पे नहीं है ये social media में नहीं है या ये यहाँ पे Twitter पे नहीं है तो हाँ it doesn't exist. So I think those kind of biases are coming from us because we really view this world through a Brahminical order, which exactly is the aim of the brahmanical society that we have to look everything through the lens of merit merit mein hi tumhe pura cheez 
के अराउंड रिवॉल्व करना है आई थिंक दैट्स जस्ट वेरी प्रॉब्लमैटिक द मेरिटोक्रेसी दैट सोशल मीडिया डिमांड्स वेल इट साउंड हैवी एंड येट we find ourselves reflecting in the inevitable part that this has actually played in our lives social media however is one part of a much larger digital world so in a broader framework do we consider the digital world or even the internet to be a friend or a foe and how do we then rope in digitization to truly further inclusivity and accessibility anything that is invested in power is always the oppressor i feel that this is like a blanket statement i have always been given give like i've always felt and if 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 you have power then you're always going to be working with the state and not against the state so i i feel like the internet has been catapulted into that space where the state is you know actively trying to um further its agenda further its motive of, of glorifying the kind of violence that we're experiencing at the moment but it's again i mean it's also very difficult to negotiate because we talk you talk about capitalism of how we should reject private universities how we we should not eat at mcdonald's how we should do this how we should do that and often the people who are prescribing these are always coming from places of privileges themselves who already had access but they choose not to like you know opt for those options but how do you tell a person who is say um who suffered from food insecurity all their life not go to a mcdonalds because it is a capitalist space like so i think this is a question i've been kind of grappling with like of internet is this nexus of you know power being pulled in whether the government is like has the means on it but at the same time it's also like coming off as a platform for people who been historically marginalized seen a digitization i think comes as a second tier the first thing that has to happen and of course in the first tier that i'm going to talk about of course like digitization does factor in but really what's really important is the academic culture and politicization of this space has to start i feel if it does not i'm telling you it will just end up having the same problem that we're all on the internet but we're not able to consume the kind of content we're able to so feel like politicization has to start there has to start a culture of discourse has to start a dialogue has to start for us to challenge the feudal system that's currently in order right now and in of course when we start the the course of dialogue of course digitization will factor in but uh, yeah those i feel a sustainable way for us to and also i am able to critique maybe you know digitization or able to digital culture because i i have have had access to certain privileges right but for people who are maybe consuming dig, digital culture are in the space for the first time you know it's also a process of growth for them right they have to be they like they want to consume it to understand okay this is how it works to so take us a long long way not just in digitization but also being able to you know a first the digital infusion but also having the means to critique digital culture or the digitization because i am not sikkim i am just one individual who grew up with certain kind of experience in sikkim now sikkim might have very very varied experiences various um, identities various cultures right and all of them have something or the other to contribute so i feel if we broaden the culture where people are able to pull in and people are able to like talk about the kind of 
things that they want to talk about without the fear of like state clamping down on them i see we'll be able to build a very sustainable healthy um future for um not just digitization not just digital inclusion but uh, you know society in general sanjana's pertinent points regarding the state's control of the internet were also echoed by rohin on our last episode and well it's not just the both of them founded in 1941 freedom house is an independent watchdog organization that champions the advancement of freedom globally In its 2020 report on internet freedom titled Freedom on the Net it gave India a dismal score of 51 on 100 and raised serious concerns over the lack of protection that Indian citizens fundamental freedoms had right now well like any other idea of freedom internet freedom is also dependent on the regional and historical context of the area So how do we then understand it in context of Sikkim a state that has been historically sidelined and marginalized how does this impact the mega project of digitalization which seems to dominate the global lingo at the moment I'm going to start with this one example that I um saw very very closely so when uh, the gorkhalan agitation was happening in 2017 uh, and there were a lot of human rights violations in the darjeeling hills right so of course the you know the internet was cut off then and people were not we were not able to uh, communicate we were not able to get across we were not able to hear from a lot of people who we identify as our relatives sector in the hills so i feel like in that kind of situation of course like definitely you know technology is used by the state as a means of surveillance but also as as almost a propaganda and also means to further their own agenda of violation human rights abuse and like like we were discussing how many patriarchy right so yeah i mean i don't think uh, there is um, a way we can get away with understanding um, uh, technology and boundaries really i mean we saw what happened uh with the whole um thing with facebook also last year and how ways in which the platform was using in it itself to further hate in the country so i think it kind of relates to what we were talking in the first segment like internet itself is a used and accessed by people from certain strata of the society and because they're able to access internet they're able to further that agenda so here so then it starts developing this whole spiral of who gets to you know who gets to discuss what who gets to take what space and who gets to further what agenda so i think in that whole nexus i feel the marginalized communities are always kept at the periphery and this is something that i have also been really trying to you know question myself but i haven't really come up with an answer but because of such platforms as social media or internet is is a tool which is developed by um the quote and quote oppressors uh, to to further their agenda of you know sustaining or like maintaining their hegemony i don't know even if there is some sort of representation from marginalized communities i don't know how how further we'll go on in really you know countering that hate because because the whole you know nexus is just so 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 um so strong
So I feel like a lot of advocacy for digital rights or like internet freedom, it really starts from what's really on ground. Okay, for example, if I have to talk about Sikkim or, or Gangtok for that example, we're still living under a very feudal order of the society. So, for example, Pranati and I were a part of this discussion where this journalist talked about how this 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 place is such a small, uh, you know, society. So, you know, reporting anything that tries to question the authority or tries to question the government might be very uh, controversial because you know it's easier to clamp down on these people, right? So, I feel. people are not able to um you know advocate for internet freedom at least in sikkim or at like at least in the context that i'm currently in uh because uh, there are greater factors at play for example let's say uh, there is a growing importance of say i mean journalism itself it's such a new space in in sikkim right so people are now trying to understand this space where people are trying to write people are trying to express themselves more but we are at such a nascent stage where journalism it does not feel like journalism it just feels like a tiny bubble of you know a circle of people who are just reporting what's happening what happens at the conference so i feel like you know the freedom of information or like the freedom of being able to express uh, it for us it really doesn't start with internet it really starts with the kind of context we're currently surrounded in so even if i have to say write something critiquing the government on internet or let's say whatever platforms then there's such a huge chance of like the government you know clamping down on my you know agency and not to say that this is any way different from what's happening in other parts of the country but i'm just trying to bring a perspective that these things in smaller places get lost out so much because you know there's always this theme ki are agar delhi mein ho raha hai to wo bada hai lekin agar sikkim mein ho raha hai to wo bada nahi hai and i think we really have to start up conversations around that so internet freedom of course it is important but we can't really talk about internet freedom without talking about um, the feudal the castes the patriarchal order of the society because everything that you do on the internet is actually or everything you are restricted to do on the internet is actually uh, a constant fear or anxiety which is created by the society which is why you are able to unable to you know make full access of the internet or maybe like a digital inclusion so that's within the context of sikkim but if you have to talk about digital inclusion in respect to other states of the country or the fact that you know we are one of the eight states in the country and the fact that how little our stories are represented how little we are represented in the country um i think it's very important that we talk about um, digital inclusion well when we talk about deep set inequalities one of the most common layman understanding of equalizing these differences is to use the tool of education educate the younger generations and the problems shall magically disappear well education does provide mobility in some aspects but it's not definitely an overnight or even a generational equalizer due to centuries of accumulated social and revenue based capital in the hands of some communities and in india's case the caste system makes attempts at mobility even worse but let us break on that for a moment and go back to seeing education as a tool for some change what role does digital inclusion play in that then 
does everyone begin from the same starting line and how does it impact the experience that people have within these institutions especially in a growingly digital world when i went to a, a college like lsr where they kind of assumed that people were very well versed with making presentations or even the fact that they had access to laptop i didn't have a laptop in through my first year and it was a very difficult process and add on to that mera pura learning relearning unlearning sab kuch college mein aake ho raha tha i feel like all those years of me not being able to access uh, the kind of content that i wanted to access on the internet really put me behind the bed like really put me behind the rest of us because i didn't have that access so which means mujhe 3 saal mein jab main graduate kara the kind of information i was able to accumulate people were able to accumulate triple triple say matlab double triple of information because they didn't start at those i didn't start on the same line as them now similarly i come with my own set of privileges but people you know who are disprivileged on the basis of other grounds now they fall more behind the line so it wasn't the same start to finish line for all of us and i think institutions really really fail to take that into account and even in pandemic today i haven't been in an institution since two years but i've seen my friends uh, uh, even in like metro struggling through you know trying to stay connected on the internet through the pandemic and my brother this year was giving board exams you know while there were directions that schools had to be taking zoom classes internet was such a big problem that they didn't have zoom classes so the teacher would send voice notes of you know lectures in one go and and there was no scope for them to ask questions and because most of these kids don't have their own phones they borrow their parents phones so there's scope for them to you know uh, ask for doubts or like you know clarify their doubts is so little and if if thankfully the exams got postponed but if the exams were to happen this this year of this gap would have would have shown and of, of course the students have would have fallen behind and and students who had were able to have access would you know move forward thereby sustaining and also widening the already existing gap and i think um, this is what i feel i don't know much about the other states but i've i've heard anecdotes from some of my friends who were also suffering similar problems in other parts of the region in in the northeast yeah i think these things really have to get factored in uh when uh, we enter an institution i mean what exactly like what is this finish line and who really decides this finish line the way you read the way you form notes how do you expect students coming from various kinds of backgrounds uh, which is obviously not in the target group that we imagine in spaces like lsr you know make your way around them and it of course does take time for people to catch up but there's really no scope for people to you know play catch up because if they are if they seem catching up they deemed ineligible at the very first group so what kind of spaces are we really imagining and i think this is a conversation that institutions in general really need to imagine while discussing this podcast later pratiksha and i realized that you know numerous people especially first generation learners who had to halt their education or face extreme distress due to online mode of education that the pandemic forced us into including many of our own classmates we find ourselves returning to this question again and again who do we imagine these institutions for and how do we then design solutions sanjana's experiences inspired her to initiate the care project 
a platform that seeks to address mental health literacy in Sikkim through the lens of intersectionality and social justice. Let us get to know more about the project and the role that the digital world played in it. Uh, about the platform that we started, so my colleague, my, we were uh, living in Delhi and then we realized that, um, you know, mental health as a concept, we were able to have access to the language because we were living in a metropolitan city. Uh, and, you know, when we first got around accepting the language of mental health, it really helped us understand that, you know, these issues are something which we have been grappling since a really long time, but we just didn't have the language to do so. so that's how we started. We tried to, you know, we started a, pl a platform that hopes to talk about mental health in Sikkim. And I think uh, internet was definitely helpful there because we were both living in Delhi. So we were not able to do anything substantive in Sikkim, but, you know, a digital platform like Instagram could really help us. Although we've not been able to make a lot of headway because when we, uh, we uh, did uh, an initial needs assessment report, of course, understanding the limitations that uh, the survey was just broadly shared within people who are or have access to internet. But we did realize that the uh, the study we 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 did um, the kind of responses that we got were mostly from uh, college going students, and a lot of them were mostly uh, people who already had access to uh, the language of mental health. Were mostly people from Sikkim, but living in different metros. So um, I think it was, a dis it was an advantage that the internet did, you know, prove to be of advantage when we wanted to start a platform. But at the same time, it's also limiting because it's only being able to be accessed by people who already have the means to um, access internet. So in retrospect, we've always had mental health challenges, but we just didn't have the adequate, you know, access to, to understanding what really it was. That was really the inspiration behind, uh, you know, us starting the CARE project. It's a platform to promote mental health literacy in the state. And um, secondly, um, while we did realize that it will be a digital platform for a very long period of time, partly because we were then living in Delhi and it wasn't possible for us to, you know, do any substantive work. But we do have plans, plans to, like, spread it around, maybe have a few physical work workshops when things get better. Yeah, so we started with um, very, very, there is such, such limited, you know, there are very limited resources around understanding mental health in the state. And uh, yeah, trying to um, figure out, trying to uh, get access to these resources, trying to change or trying to translate those resources into more accessible formats. But, but again, we're facing the same problem, you know, whatever little audience we've been able to um, get is mostly the college-going um, students who may, you know, through some some other sources may have access to mental health. So this also became very clear because we launched a survey form to understand where we exactly were with understanding mental health. And, and the kind of respondents we had were mostly like, from, you know, the age between uh, 18 to 28 and while it's of course a welcome move because we haven't we don't have a platform like that we really want to um, move beyond that age group especially like people from our parents age maybe like you know at least like trying to go beyond the age frame that usually occupy a lot of space on the internet so yeah that's what really uh, the project is about we're hoping to 
uh, do more work um, and see how things pan out. Considering the origin of the project and what it aims to do, Sanjana has been asked again and again whether she intends to make CARE a purely online platform. But despite the current challenges of the pandemic, she is sure that the CARE project will focus on deep-rooted groundwork eventually. She explained to us why rooting her work in an offline setting is imperative for her, despite the plethora of online tools that may exist, especially when working in the mental health domain fact that there are concepts like Zoom, Google Meet, all of these things that happen so adequately in metros are not a very um, hands-on experience for people, even young people, because most of them work in the government and there are very little procedures for them to be on such platforms. Not to say that people cannot learn, but I'm just saying that different things work for different places. A virtual platform might work perfectly someplace like in Delhi, but it might not work for a place like Sikkim, you know, for, for small places like the Darjeeling also, it might really not work. So, yeah, that's the reason why it's important for us to... So, let me give you an example, okay? So, I live in this rural area where people suffer from a, a very, very high case of uh, people suffering from alcoholism. Alcoholism is a direct result and, of course, I mean, all of the studies show that uh, the fact that you're alcoholic has to be related to your you suffering from mental health challenges or you having a bad mental health. And the kind of people that I'm talking about are not on the internet. They're never going to be on the internet. You know, we're talking about people, say, they're really fighting for everyday sustenance. So for them to be on the internet is just another scope of possibilities that I probably cannot imagine. So I'm just trying to be realistic. So for that, we really, really need to go beyond the internet. And that, that is really where uh, we come in. For example, so there was a study which was conducted by this researcher at Sikkim University. She was trying to draw, up, draw reasons behind why people die by suicides in the state. And number one reason was alcoholism. And alcoholism was again related to people, you know, people's depression and also unemployment and other factors. But most of the suicide cases were mostly from rural areas. Not to say that people in urban areas don't like die by suicide, but like the rate is alarmingly high in rural areas. Now, of course, like rural areas may ek to network a problem. Hai. I, I live in a rural area, but the internet is fine. But if I go a little further away, say five, six kilometers to my grandfather's place, there is really no internet there. So how do you cope up with those challenges? Sikkim is mental health related, but whatever studies have happened, we've been able to go through those. And there is a very strong emphasis on how um, people have mental health challenges because of so-and-so reasons and which locations are these very prominent in. If I use Zoom or if I use Google Meet to, to, to do the kind of activities I want to do, for anyone who is outside the space will see, oh, wow, they're doing such a great work in Sikkim, right? But who are you fooling? Like, is it really like encompassing uh, the kind of people that you want to talk about? So I feel like one really has to like unlearn uh, the gaze that we've been that we've been fed into. Our conversation with Sanjana was deeply enriching and taught us a lot. But the one thing that we kept circling back to was something she had said regarding politics and language. Well. She'd said that in an increasingly digitalized world, it is easy to pick up the language that is needed to be inclusive, but not the politics behind it. 
that's some food for thought in our next episode we will be talking about the healthcare system in india the current covid-19 pandemic and of course digital inclusion and that's it for today thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this podcast and would be grateful for your feedback and review we look forward to having you with us don't forget to tune in for our next episode